With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's no bigger fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes than Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the Hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. Oh, one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink football. Enjoy your It's the HN Podcast. I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace. It is April 1st. You know what, dude? You sent out a you sent out an April Fool's tweet early on in the day, <laughs> and I was just sitting down at my computer to tweet out, "Hey, please, folks, don't be that lame person that tries to pull <laughs> April Fool's jokes on their friends." And I open my computer up and I see yours. So you know what I didn't do? I didn't send that tweet out because of you and my friendship with you. I didn't want to. I didn't want to depanch you like literally minutes after you went and recorded a video and you put hours into this. And I'm like, what's he? I can't. Oh, this no. So. Aaron, my producer, fell for it. He actually texted me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, crap. Do I need to put that in the rundown for the shilling show today? (laughs) (laughs) And And I went off the show with shilling. We started the show off, and I said, hey, we got breaking news. I don't know if you heard this or not. And he totally bought it, man. Totally bought it. So for people who don't know, I I tried to come up with something. I didn't want to get involved in gossip or something that was, you know, obscene or vile. So I took a story that I think a lot of people believe is ultimately going to happen, and I applied it to a contemporary story, this college admission scandal, and USC has been caught up into it. And and I had a story today that uh, um, USC's cleaned house, football coach is gone, athletic director is gone, and Urban Meyer is going to be the next football coach at Ohio State, as every, or, I'm sorry, at USC, as most people suspected, but now he's going to be the athletic director there too. And just so you know... That video, I'm actually doing like a good, you know, like the good mythical morning that Rhett and Link do on YouTube, that show that's been hugely popular. Never seen I'm it. I'm doing like, okay, my, my, me and my kids used to love watching it, and then they kind of fell out of that phase. I mean, I now. watched Yo Gabba um, Gabba too, but. <laughs> so every morning I come down here to the Michigan Man Cave at my house, and I just do a good Michigan morning, like a four or five minute video oh, okay. on yeah, whatever's yeah. trending. So I was going to do a video today regardless, Okay. And I just okay. chose to make it about my, you know, that that April Fool's joke. I actually got several, and I tried to pick something that was plausible. I got several people that told me they had been had. I, you know what? I haven't done this though for several years, and there's two reasons why. 
one of them involves you. One year we did do the thing where I was leaving to go into political radio and you were taking over for me. Mm-hmm. And then that actually happened like the next a year later. Remember, but remember that I now I had not remembered that for thought of that forever, but I do now. Yes. And then there was the year that I was when I first started at KXNO and I went on because I used to do one of these every single year. And I went on the radio and I said, breaking news, um, Kurt Warner has bought the rights of the for the Iowa Barnstormers from Jim Foster and Arena Football is coming back to Des Moines. And the phones went nuts. People were like, you better not be messing with me, Dace. And <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> I get a, I get a, I get an email saying that, uh, hey, I hope you're telling the truth. Because your buddy John Walters just went on Channel 5, live at 5, on their sportscast and used you as a source. Oh, no. And put it on the air. Oh, man. I I almost crapped. I bet you got sick to your stomach right then. I did. Oh, I felt so bad. I know the exact feeling that you had. And it was, you know, the last. I I felt so bad. I was so sheepish. It reminded me of that time I. Bob Feller was the last man that ever truly intimidated me, and I taped like this 20-minute interview with him, and I forgot to hit the record button. Oh, you are kidding me. I'm not kidding you, and I really had this inner debate with myself whether to just let it go and do something else or to see if he would do the interview again, and I decided not to go out like a punk, and I'm like, Mr. Feller, I hate to tell you this, and then I told him I forgot to hit record, and there was a long pause on the other end of the phone, and he was like, okay, we'll do it again. That, that guy scared me. And I had that same sheepish, sheepish thought when I called John up. I'm like, John, I'm so sorry, man. It was a new, it was an April Fool's prank, and it was a long pause. And he's like, ah, oh. he goes, you know, man. I he goes, and here's what he said to me too. It was something like, I just know how seriously you take your integrity. So I thought for sure if you went out there that it had to be true. Oh my gosh, he gave you that. I'm disappointed in you. and coming from him that's like the worst one of the most sincere human beings you'll ever meet he's a great man okay and i'm of course i'm getting smaller and smaller and smaller (laughs) the longer that conversation went on so um i kind of learned my uh i learned my lesson with april fool's jokes not to make them that good people will fall for it and it has the law of unintended consequences attached to it obviously wow well that was a fun trip down memory lane a lot of things i had forgotten about some i can't believe i never knew about frankly uh that that iowa barnstormers thing did that happen when i was in kansas city or something yeah you were still in kansas city when that happened yeah because i i had just started on kxno just started I, i i will say this though i i read your tweet this morning the, the, about the USC and Urban Meyer, my first reaction was, are you freaking kidding me? I can't believe he did it this quickly. And then I, and then I said, I'm going to go to ESPN. Just to make sure. Yeah, and I went to the college football page, and there's nothing. And then I real, and then I saw the video, and I clicked on your video. I watched it for five seconds, and I could tell right then <laughs> that you were like your dog died mode. So this isn't true. And I was like, "Son of a gun! It's April freaking fools!" And I came here to tell people not to do it, and I just got sucked in. <laughs> So I will give you I will give you a point. 
because while it lasted a total of 25 seconds, I still had doubt, and I didn't. I, I you got me, you got me. Well, every you know what, every now and then, I've, the old skills come back. The old skills return. Well, and, and, and skipping it every few years is is important. Yes. So I will let me just say this for the record. I think it's one of the dumbest things in the world, <laughs> the April Fool's joke. Mainly because I don't like being scared, fright like somebody jumping out at me, and I don't like being made to look dumb. I do right. enough of that myself. But number two, if you do it, do it well, do it infrequently, and I will I will not embarrass you. So that that was that was good that was good all right uh since you and i last spoke and i think we may have briefly touched on this last week the nebraska corn huskers have fired tim miles as their head basketball coach and they have hired former iowa state coach former chicago bulls coach fred hoiberg as their basketball coach i think that and maybe you said this, so I may be subconsciously stealing something you wrote. I think it's the best they could possibly have dreamed of doing. I think, I, I think it's yep. beyond. If you would have asked me three weeks ago, four weeks ago, who I thought they could get, I never in a million years would have said Fred Hoiberg. Never. And they got him. And kudos to them. That is a fantastic hire. As I said last week, they, they averaged over 15,000 people per game this year. I think they set an attendance record. And that's near capacity in their nice, very nice facility. Very, very nice facility. So they have a lot going for them. And I don't know how he's going to recruit, meaning like I don't know how it will turn out. I mean, I obviously know how he'll do it. We'll talk more about that in a second, but uh, just on the surface, your thoughts on that hire. I agree with what you just said. It's, it's the best Nebraska could possibly do realistically. Um, And it's, it's, it's definitely not the best he could realistically get. Okay. Right. Right. So what that also tells you then that I think you should feel good about as a Nebraska fan is that, and I don't know how many Nebraska fans listen to the Hawkeye nation podcast. Probably when we, when you put out there on social media, what it's about more may tune in, but what it does tell you is if he has a breakthrough season, and we're talking about a program that I think one time ever won an NCAA tournament game under Danny knee. And I think that's their only NCAA tournament win like ever as a school. So if he does have a breakthrough season, was that with so Cookie Belcher? I think it's even before that. Eric Piakowski, remember him? I yes. Think it was with him. Yes, I do. Wow, I can't believe I just called. Uh, I can't believe you a pulled that name and b that I remembered it. I mean, why yeah. would I know who a Nebraska basketball player was back then? So I mean, if he has like a Sweet Sixteen kind of a run, the fact that he chose this job now, given where it's at, indicates to me, and you know, it's funny because. You know, Fred was leaving Iowa State a couple just, you know, right as I was getting into local sports media. He came back right as I was getting out, you know, and so our paths have not really crossed all that often. I think coincidence. 
<laughs> I know. I, I've met him once. I, we know a lot of the same people, obviously, from his him being so close to Iowa State and me covering it closely for several years. So I, I don't pretend to get to know him uh, or to know him. I, I'm just looking at this now just purely circumstantially. He chose this job for reasons beyond just competitive opportunity. And what it tells me is he's done the NBA. He's done the alma mater. He could have had the UCLA job. I mean, UCLA is talking about potentially hiring Mick Cronin from Cincinnati, who's been out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament once in 12 years. Okay, so um, he could have had those jobs. This tells me he's at a stage in life now where it's about quality of life and about proximity. He basically took the closest thing he could to Iowa State without, you know, them having an opening right now because the guy that took his place, Steve Prohm's done a real good job. You know, so I don't I think if you're a Nebraska fan, I think you have him for the foreseeable future. Uh, and, you know, however long that future is or what he can accomplish there. And that's the conversation we'll have in a moment. So it's definitely not the best he could do, but it is absolutely the best Nebraska could get. I don't think there's any question about that. So how do you think he's going to construct his roster that interestingly enough that's one of the bigger conversation pieces that i've had come at me from iowa fans relative mm-hmm. to hoiberg is john do you think he's going to be able to construct his roster via the uh, the transfer route the way that he did at iowa state and my notion is well what he did at iowa state isn't necessarily as trailblazing now as it was when he was relying on that when he first got to ISU. The the transfer market has seemingly exploded. And the interesting thing, when Fred did that at Iowa State, that was just three or four years after, maybe not even three or four years after, Jamie Pollard, his athletic director, talked about the transfer culture, you know, berating mm-hmm. it. And then Iowa State basically became... Um, a program that really benefited from that. Do you mm-hmm. do you, do you think that that's Fred's um, that's Fred's trick? That's Fred's in? That's his thing? Because we all have seen the quote that was attributed to him off the record about how much he effing hates recruiting. Right. Is this a way to circumvent that? Yes and no. And, you know, the UCLA job would have been a a way to get around blanking recruiting because, you know, 97 percent of the players you need are within a 35, 40 mile radius. You know, you're 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 doing a cattle call more than recruiting out there. Now, it's a lot different at Nebraska. And now we get to the conversation that directly relates to Hawkeye Nation, because this goes back to something that you and I talked about in our old Miller and Day days. I may, you know, I, I may not be, I may be Austrian in when it comes to my real world economic theory. I might be more of the Milton Friedman, uh, you know, uh, uh, philosophy. But when it comes to collegiate sports, I'm a total Keynesian. This is a zero sum game. Only 68 teams get in out of 353. You know, only four teams get buys, double buys out of 14. Only 36 teams uh, or or 32 teams get, yeah, 36 teams get at-large berths, you know, in the NCAA tournament. So if they're going to be good, someone else is not going to be. Uh, Not everyone can be good at the same time. And, And how he chooses to construct his roster, you know, will have an impact on who it will hurt 
in the Big Ten or how many? You know, I put up a poll at Bigger Ten this week. Um, you know, what current competitive Big Ten basketball program will eventually be hurt the most by Fred Hoiberg going to Nebraska? And I just picked the three schools that right now are where are the most in the way of, of Nebraska's upward mobility. You know, you and I would look at this historically and look at a program like Illinois and say, you know, they're a much bigger threat on an existential level because of, you know, the in-state base they have, the tradition they have there and everything else. But right now, they're not a competitive basketball program right now. Uh, so, this, so the schools I picked in alphabetical order were Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. To me, for, for Nebraska to be good, one of those teams is going to have to go down. They can't all be good at the same time. There's not enough teams, not enough players, not enough games. And what I mean by good is um, hearing their name called on Selection Sunday. So if you look at the transfer market, the good news is the transfer market is far bigger than it was when he coached at Iowa State. The bad news is it's far more competitive than it was when he coached at Iowa State. You know, I know some people balked when I gave out this number on our podcast a couple of weeks ago that right now, on average, close to 40 percent of college basketball players will transfer during the course of their four or five years of eligibility, depending on a redshirt. And so people thought that was absurdly high. Well, you know, um, Jeff Goodman at uh, uh, at uh, Watch Stadium or the stadium, whatever it's called. I'm glad you keep up with it. He's got a well, he, you know, these guys are changing jobs all the time now. I mean, he was with ESPN forever, but he's got. You know, a running he's got a running log of who's in the transfer portal right now. John, it's like it's approaching 400 names. Hmm. So, you know, if you do the math on that 13 scholarships, 353 teams, 400 names, you're closing in on 20 percent of this year's players alone intend to transfer alone just this year. So if you're if if, if 15 to 20 percent of the players every year are transferring, then, yeah. If you extrapolate the math and prorate it, it's not nuts to say that for about 40% of college basketball players will transfer at some point in time in their careers. So that 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 market is booming, and and he can absolutely tap into that. You know, now in terms of academic requirements and things of that nature, um, you know, where's the Big Ten at compared to the Big Twelve? Uh, and remember, the league already made an academic uh, accommodation to bring Nebraska in anyway, because it wasn't one of those, you know, peer-reviewed research institutions. And uh, what's that thing called, the AEU or whatever they call that? Okay, uh, you know, Nebraska was not in that. And so the Big Ten already kind of waived one of its unwritten rules and bringing them in in the first place. So I don't know if you know. For example, there was a kid when I still covered Iowa State. I think his name was Chris Alexander, real talented seven foot kid. And by NCAA rules, he was eligible. And this was actually what the final straw was between Bruce Vandevelde and Larry Eustachy that led to the showdown when Eustachy got caught with those photos at, after the Missouri game that year. Is this young man had a lot of emotional issues. They had had some suicide, depression problems with him. And he had he actually went home to care for his son and his uh, girlfriend, and he actually hadn't registered a single grade in the semester, his transfer semester. And Dr. Joffrey, the Iowa State president, said to the athletic director, Bruce Vandevelde, hey, I don't want a kid who's not a real student 
playing on my basketball team until he's taken a class and a test and we know whether he can hack it academically. And Eustace, you basically told them all to go F off. He's eligible by NCAA standards, and they played him. Well, that stuff ain't going to happen. That dog ain't going to hunt in the Big Ten, okay? So I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how easy it is to negotiate and navigate that. We've had one kind of transfer you in the Big Ten in Illinois. Try it. They haven't been any good, like, in seven years. You know, who else is – Who else is? we might have a school – you know, every school in our league brings maybe one or two of these guys in a year, maybe. But who, do we have we ever had a transfer you in the Big Ten that you're aware of? I can't think of one. No, nothing's really jumping out at me. No. So I, I don't know what the academic requirements are that the Big Ten would even permit it um, along those lines. But he has more competition. We're, we're – and, you know, Kentucky took a took a transfer this year. Uh, Reach Travis from Stanford, despite all the one and duns they get. And the one and duns are going to go away in the next. I think this I think this next coming 2020 class will be the last of the one and duns. That rule has been in place since 06. I think it will go away. And when it goes away, you're going to see more and more of those schools, the Dukes and Kentuckys and Kansases, depending on how many of them survive the suit, the shoe scandal. They're going to, you know, recruit more of those kids to instantly try to replace the guys that they have that are leaving early for the NBA draft, too. So um, and, and here's the other thing, too. Iowa isn't a great hotbed for high school basketball. It's a hell of a lot better than Nebraska. OK, from a Rafe LaFrenz to a right. Nick Collison to a, um, a Kirk Heinrich, you know, uh, DJ Carton was one of was is one of the most highly recruited point guards in America. In this incoming, yeah, you don't have to remind class. Iowa fans of that. Thank you. Yeah, well, or yeah, hey, I'm a Michigan fan. He broke our heart too. We thought we were taking. Hey, we were laughing at you guys the whole time, thinking we were stealing it from you, and then he then he freaking shanked us for Ohio State on the last weekend. So we all hate that kid now. <laughs> so, um, but you know, this isn't. It's not. You know, this isn't Illinois for high school talent, but it's a hell of a lot better than I than Nebraska is. So, you know, I, I he doesn't even have the recruiting base he had at Iowa State you know so I think when you look at the coaching roster in this league right now uh, how good that is how competitive that is and you stacked it up with what the coaching roster was outside of Kansas uh, in the Big 12 you know several years ago right right when, when Fred was there you know Texas was getting right was trying to run Rick Barnes out of town at that time you know so uh, they're gonna be more successful than they're used to being I don't think that's a debatable point. What is debatable, though, is quantifying exactly how successful that is. And then, John, whom that success is going to come at the expense of. I, I It's an interesting point. We've had this discussion in football. Um, we also, when you look at the rise of uh, Wisconsin basketball, is it a coincidence that Wisconsin success. I mean, Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan brought in a gimmick, um, uh, something that's at a departure. His his swing offense, the deliberation, the emphasis on low turnovers. They basically created an identity for them that from year to year, talent to talent, ebb and flow, they could stick with the system. 
and the system was greater than the sum of its parts because they haven't recruited on par with the top three or four teams in the Big Ten, but their system and their execution of that system has carried the day. Just like Iowa's basketball program did, by and large, under Tom Davis, his last 10 years, whenever he no longer had B.J. Armstrong or Roy Marble or Ed Horton, Iowa finished two was it two games or four games over 500 in Big Ten conference play in Davis's last 10 years. They made the NCAA six out of the 10 years. They didn't recruit all that well for the entire period. Yeah, sure. They got a they got a Jess Settles. They got a Chris Kingsbury and a Kenyon Murray, who were both uh, McDonald's All Americans, and whom I think Chris Kingsbury or Murray are the, is the last McDonald's All American Iowa has landed. By the way. Um, but it just wasn't very many of them. And it was the system that was greater than the sum of the parts. And so, therefore, I don't know if I go along with the mutually exclusive. But I will say this. I don't think it will hurt Wisconsin as much because it looks like their system is going to continue and be in place. Minnesota has a lot of talent. That state produces some good basketball yep. players. And Richard yep. Pitino or whomever is the coach there in three or four years, they should continue to do well. Iowa produces some good talent and typically gets more of it than Iowa State. But the best players are continuing to leave the state. You know, obviously Joe Wieskamp stayed. Patrick McCaffrey, uh, he stayed. But the best player in this class is, is the aforementioned point guard going to Ohio State. I think that I, – I don't know that I th- – I don't know that I'm going along that it's that it's a zero sum game. I think as much as anything, Steve, your point about the talent in the state of Nebraska is very germane. Even though Fred didn't, you know, again, Fred did, wasn't taking a lot of the high school homegrown talent in the state of Iowa. But you know, it's nice to have that when you're the you know when you're the only school there. I mean, I guess there's Creighton, but. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to hurt Iowa. But but you, there is Creighton. But Creighton's name has come up repeatedly in the shoe scandal as well. Okay? Mm-hmm. So um, I, what I would be looking at, you know, let me give let me give Fred some advice because he didn't take my advice last time. All right? And you'll recall we did that podcast at the time too. I thought it was a mistake for him to leave Iowa State when he did to take the Minnesota Timberwolves job. With the team he had coming back, that could have been a Final Four team. I thought he should have stayed one more year. Uh, or I'm sorry, left for the Bulls job. Stayed one more year and then taken the Timberwolves job. Right. Because that's a, that's a more patient organization. They had already drafted the Wiggins kid out of Kansas. They would have had another top three, four lottery pick. And then... You, he had history there. Guys, Yep, you have history there. If you get two of those guys, then you've got a chance that you can bring that a big name free agent there for your third guy. All right, um, but and and the Bulls have a history of being a volatile organization. I mean, this is the organization that ran Michael Jordan into retirement. You know, so I, I I'm not shocked that it turned out the way that it did. It turned out exactly the way that I thought it would. So since Fred didn't take my advice the last time, let me give him some advice and and to, about taking this job. He needs to turn that team into the Nebraska Golden Gophers. You look around and you look for who is the low-lying fruit. So Richard Pertino's done a very has done a, has done a better job than probably most of us thought he would. 
mm-hmm. but he's also this has been the most volatile program in the league. You know, they're 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 having they're you know one year they're they're down, the next year they improve by nine games. The year after that they're down. The next year they they win an NCAA tournament game. They just had a four star who was a big time recruit from them that they for them that they got out of the Bronx, uh, kind of a New York City you know legend. That they just they this kid's just now going to transfer from there. Um, you know they had one of the best shooters in our league to go along with the best rebounder in the history of our league, and the best they could do was a tenth seed in the NCAA tournament. I'm I'm with you that that is a that is an area that produces plenty of talent. And if I was Fred Hoiberg, given my Minnesota connections, given the fact if I walk into somebody's living room before or after Richard Pitino, no mom in their right mind is going to say to their son, hey, you need to go to the University of Minnesota and play for that little Pitino dude. No mom, no player, no dad is going to say that. So if I were him, I would be looking at turning, turning Nebraska into the University of Nebraska Golden Gophers and strip mining the state of Minnesota of its talent. And 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 I would look at Minnesota as the target uh, for me to go after to build my program at the expense of. Because here's the other thing too, you know, I, I think Fred requires a level of talent to be successful that a Bo Ryan did not, because Fred's selling point is gonna be, I'm an NBA guy, I've got ties to the NBA. Okay, I know how to get you to the NBA and, you know, you're not going to run a very highly structured offense. You know, you're not going to you're not going to Norman Dale that message. Yeah, you're not you're not Bo Ryan. And so I think he's going to need to have the ability um, to recruit guys that have potential NBA futures. And if you start looking at markets that are in proximity to Oklahoma that recruit that that he has ties to because Nebraska still is kind of in this no man's land in our league where they're too far north to be as relevant as Texas and Texas as they were in the Big 12 but they're too far west to go into Chicago and St. Louis and these places well you know he is one of Minnesota's favorite sons and I would look at strip mining the, the you know the Minneapolis market for my talent you know if I were Fred that would be my advice to him as I'd live in the state of Minnesota yeah, I think I think that that's a, a really good call. I, you know, and, and they're close enough to Kansas City. He's been down there too, but I, I agree with you. You go down to Kansas City, you've got to deal with Missouri, and you got to deal with Kansas, and to a lesser extent, Kansas State. But I think if you go up there, you got a really good shot. And when you talk about the NBA, I mean, think of the players that he recruited to Iowa State that that made the leap. Monte Morris. Um, yeah. You got Niang. You've got, gosh, there's a couple of other ones too. I'm sorry that I'm not remembering, but um, some guys that you didn't really expect that were going to get there that at worst have had at least one year's worth of service time in the resume, if not a couple of them. So he's he's done it, and uh, that's a that's a good a, a good calling card. All right, well that will uh, wrap up this installment of the HN podcast for Steve. I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.